Hey everyone, this is Allison. And this is Courtney. And you are listening to Murder Porn. Yay! Boop, 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 boo. Welcome, 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 I think I always do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think I do the same thing too. That's cool. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, May 29th, and as promised, I'm coming to you with the story of Gary Heidnick. Yeah. We are trying a new format, and we're just going to dive right in this time. Yeah. So here we go. Let's do it. Gary Michael Heidnick was born November 22nd, 1943, in the upper middle class suburb of East Lake, Ohio. Eastlake is located about 24 minutes outside of Cleveland to the northeast, like right on the coast of Lake Erie. Mm -hmm. Gary's parents are Ellen and Michael Heidnick. They had a second son, Terry, so Gary and Terry, <laughs> in 1945 and divorced shortly afterward in 1946. The boys were raised by their mother for four years, but due to her addiction to alcohol, they were eventually placed with their father and his new wife. While they were still living with their mother, apparently Gary fell several feet from a tree, causing several injuries, including a skull injury that made his head look misshapen. Um, something the neighborhood kids teased him about relentlessly, calling him football head. His brother, Terry, says that Gary was never the same after that fall. He claims that, like, his personality became more volatile and he became more violent and, like, short-fused. You're probably already, like, Sorry. reading my mind. Did you hear yeah. my Siri? I must have accidentally hit it. Okay. <laughs> Your Siri is like, sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. My Siri's like, sorry, red flag. Yeah. <laughs> red flag. <laughs> anyways we were talking about paranormal and possession earlier and her watch is obviously my watch possessed. is clearly possessed it's that's possessed. the only explanation for what just happened uh, makes sense. so terry gave a lot of interviews to the media about their childhood after his brother was arrested mm -hmm. um he stated that their father was mentally and physically abusive to them uh, Gary apparently had a lifelong issue with wetting the bed. Red, red flag. flag. <laughs> I'm sitting here in my head going head injury, red flag. Yeah. Uh, bed violence, wetting. Violence from parent, red flag. Yeah. Bed wetting. Like literally, this is the perfect storm that creates this kind of a piece mm -hmm. of shit. 
So his dad, after he would wet the bed, would force him to hang his stained sheets outside of his second floor uh, bedroom window for the whole neighborhood to see. So, like, he would be constantly shamed by it, which is, um, in case anyone was wondering, if you don't want to raise a serial killer, don't fucking do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, sitting here going, humiliation. <laughs> Did you know that is abuse? Yeah. He also said that his dad made them wear pants that he put a bullseye on the butt of. And that his dad and the other kids in the neighborhood and their classes would kick them in the bullseye regularly. What the fuck? That's just kind of funny, but also, like, mean. <laughs> That's just awful. Terry said that the abuse from their father got so bad that the boys literally were afraid to pick anything up for fear of dropping it and breaking it and being beaten for it. Mm. Yeah. Eventually, they went back to live with their mother, but she was depressed. She had a revolving door of men coming in and out of their lives, and her alcoholism became very severe. She was diagnosed with bone cancer, and all of this culminated in her suicide on Mother's Day of 1971. So this was many years later, after they were already adults, but she did eventually commit suicide. Um... She did so by drinking mercuric chloride, which is historically also known as solima or corrosive sublimate. And it is the organic chemical compound of mercury and chlorine with the formula HGCl2. It is white crystalline solid and is a laboratory reagent and a molecular compound that is very toxic to humans. Hmm. I don't know where the fuck she got this shit from. Once used as a treatment for syphilis, it's no longer used for medicinal purposes because of mercury toxicity and also the availability of superior treatments. All I heard initially was mercuric acid. Mercuric. Yeah. And and I knew it had to have mercury, which meant, yeah. Well, that's just metal. I know where this is going. Already, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Mercury dichloride is a highly toxic compound, both acutely and as a cumulative poison. So it's it's toxic in large quantities all at once and also in small quantities over time. If does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So its toxicity is due not just to its mercury content but also to its corrosive properties which can cause serious internal damage including ulcers to the stomach, mouth and throat and corrosive damage to the intestines. Mercuric chloride also tends to accumulate in the kidneys, causing severe corrosive damage, which can lead to acute kidney failure. Common side effects of acute mercuric chloride poisoning. I don't know how the fuck I'm saying that without tripping over it. I I was tripping over the, (laughs) you know, but I trip over words all the time if, you know, we all know this. This this woman, she was a glutton for punishment. Like, I don't know where she got this stuff and I don't know why she decided this was the way to go. I was just I was just thinking this. This does not sound like this is like drinking bleach, essentially. Pleasant. Yeah. So um, which is chlorine. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, so the symptoms or the side effects include burning sensations in the mouth and throat, stomach pain, abdominal discomfort, lethargy, vomiting of blood, corrosive bronchitis, severe irritation to the gastrointestinal tract, and kidney failure. Chronic exposure can lead to symptoms more common with mercury poison, Mm -hmm. such as insomnia, delayed reflexes, excessive salivation, bleeding gums, fatigue, tremors, and dental problems. 
Acute exposure to large amounts of mercuric chloride can cause death in as little as 24 hours, usually due to uh, acute kidney failure or damage to the gastrointestinal tract. In other cases, victims of acute exposure have taken up to two weeks to die. I don't condone suicide in any fashion. Don't do it this way. But please don't do it this way. This sounds awful. Yeah, don't do it this way. Terry also said that both he and his brother had schizophrenia and were treated on and off for it throughout their lives. They likely got it from their mom because it can be likely uh, inherited. Hereditary. Um, He stated that the two of them both had tried and failed to commit suicide multiple times throughout their lives. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. So sad. Um, His father denied any abuse ever occurred in his household, but of course he did. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to say, like, yeah, I was a total piece of shit. Yeah. Anyways, despite testing well academically and having an IQ of 148, Gary dropped out of public school in ninth grade. So an IQ of 148. That's crazy. That seems to be a lot of people with high IQs, Mm -hmm. at least, that go on to be successful or serial killers. So he dropped out of public school in ninth grade. At the age of 14, he enrolled in Staunton Military Academy in Staunton, Virginia. And he actually lived there for two years. And then he dropped out right before graduation. This kid can't stick to anything. Uh, He then returned to public school and again dropped out right before graduation. (laughs) He joined Mm -hmm. the Army at the age of 17. Typically speaking, the IQ scale runs from 55 to 145-ish, depending on where and when the testing was administered. Um, 70% of people fall between 85 and 115. And anything 145 and above is considered exceptionally gifted, a.k.a. genius. And that is about 0.13% of all people. And for reference, Einstein was a 161 IQ. Yeah. So he's a 148. He's highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, he had very high marks in his basic training and was sent to San Antonio to train as a medic. Um, and then he was deployed to Germany. He earned his GED soon after being deployed and was on a really good track when just weeks later in August of 1962, he began complaining of severe headaches, blurred vision and nausea. An army neurologist diagnosed him with gastroenteritis and mental illness. And just so we're clear, he would have been 18 at this point. And I think between the ages of 18 and 24 are typically the ages at which mental health issues such as schizophrenia begin to manifest. Yep. Um, Gastroenteritis is inflammation of the stomach and intestines, and symptoms include diarrhea, nausea, Vomiting, fatigue, malaise, abdominal pain, and dehydration can also occur. Um, It's typically caused by a virus or a bacterial infection, and it usually resolves itself within two weeks or so. Um, He was treated for the gastroenteritis, and he was prescribed antipsychotics for his mental health issues, and then transferred to a hospital back in the States in Philadelphia in October of 1962. Here, he was formally diagnosed with schizophrenia, and he was honorably discharged from the military as a result. Hmm. You cannot be in the military if you have hot, like significant mental health issues, even today. Yeah. You could not be in the military. Um, 
So what do you do when you're discharged from the military, you were a medic, and you're schizoid and you can't work for them? You become an LPN. <laughs> licensed practicing practical. nurse. It's like licensed practical nurse. Yeah. So uh, he then enrolled in the University of Pennsylvania, dropped out after one semester. He then spent some time working for a VA hospital. <laughs> so he can't be in the military, but he can still work for the VA hospital. Oh my what the fuck, dude? He was, but he was fired for poor attendance and rude behavior towards the patient. Oh, my God. Between 1962 and 1987, Gary was in and out of psychiatric hospitals for treatment and tried and failed to commit suicide about 13 times. This poor guy. Gosh. I feel bad for him, and then I am about to really not feel bad for him, just so we're clear. Yeah. Uh, in 1971, the same year his mother died, when he was 28 years old, Gary founded and incorporated a religious institution with only five congregants called the United Church of the Ministers of God. <laughs> this reminds me of Creed Bratton from The Office. <laughs> yeah, this guy is just, oh, Creed. <laughs> he was probably one of my favorite characters on that show, not even going to lie. I love him. So four years later, he opened up an investment account with Merrill Lynch, and he um, opened it with an initial deposit of only $1,500. By the time of his arrest in 1987, it was worth over $550,000. That's over $1.2 million today. Whoa. Apparently, it was a very successful church. <laughs> This is how he got the nickname Brother Bishop. And you will find out how holy he was very, very soon. You, you make a lot of money as a leader, but you have a lot more fun as a follower. <laughs> I disagree, and so does Gary Heidnick. Well, Creed Bratton says otherwise. Oh. <laughs> Hold on tight, bitches, because this shit's about to get serious. <clears throat> Hold on, let me take a sip of my coffee. So Gary apparently had a hard time meeting American women and keeping them around. I can <laughs> imagine. So he used a matrimonial service to meet a Filipino woman named Betty Disto. They wrote to each other back and forth for two years before Betty finally came to America to marry Gary in Maryland on October 3rd, 1985. So basically a mail order bride service or like. Yeah old school tinder for foreigners i guess yeah. i don't know probably because no american woman would put up with the shit is what i'm guessing yeah. he needed to find somebody who would be completely alone completely isolated from people who loved and cared about her and would be unable to escape him and that's exactly what he did by doing this this guy's a fucking piece of shit well they were probably also wanting american citizenship which i don't Suggest right I don't now. know if that had anything to do with it. I really think that she was in love with him because he like finessed her through these letters. And then she got here and was totally blindsided by like the reality of who he was. Yeah. So as you may have guessed, the marriage didn't last very long. <laughs> Apparently, Betty caught Gary in a menage with three other women. Wait. <laughs> so this guy couldn't get women. But then he was in a menage with women. No, it's not that he couldn't get women. He, he just couldn't, couldn't get them keep to stay. them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's using his um, 
status as the leader of this fucking church to have menages with uh, other women. So, yeah, he caught he caught she caught Gary in a menage with three other women. She also stated that he forced her to watch him having sex with other women often and he repeatedly raped her and beat her. (sighs) With the help of um, the Philadelphia Filipino community, she was able to escape him in 1986. So a year ish, less than a year, less than a year after moving here and, and being married. On September 15th, 1986, Betty gave birth to a son, Jesse John Disto. Didn't even give him the courtesy of a last name because yeah. he's a piece of shit and he doesn't fucking deserve it. She never uttered a word about this kid kid to Gary until she sent him a request for child support the following January. She's like, you can't see him. You, he doesn't have your last name, but he is biologically yours and you will fucking support him. Oh. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. So in case you were wondering, Gary did have other children. Um, he had a child with a woman named Gail Linkow, I think is how, or Linko. Um, his name, it was a son named Gary Jr. And he was immediately, or no, soon after his birth, he was placed into foster care. What? Yeah. Gary has Aww. a type. And a lot of times Gary likes to take advantage of women with mental health, like mental health issues or who are cognitively cognitively disabled. Mm. Gary is like the fly on 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 the shit. That that is the world. I don't I don't really know. He like I cannot describe what a fucking low life this guy is. He's a boil. He's a piece of shit. An ugly person's ass. He's a piece a piece of canine fecal matter. Um, he also had a third child with another woman, Anjanette Davidson, who was illiterate and mentally disabled. Yeah. Her name was Maxine Davidson, and she was born on March 16th, 1987, and immediately placed in foster care, which, TBH, that was probably the best place for her. Like, she probably lived a much better life than she would have under his guise, or under his care. So just in case you still had any doubt in your mind, Heidnick was a complete piece of shit with red flag after red flag mm-hmm. before he even got to the things that he is notorious for. Yeah. His criminal career included the following. And it is worth noting that all of these crimes took place after Brother Bishop founded the United Church of the Ministers of God, the holy man that he was. His first charges were in 1976, and how he made it that far in life without having a criminal record is beyond me. Um, Here he was charged with aggravated assault and carrying an unlicensed firearm after he shot one of his rental house tenants, grazing his face. I don't know how, but he managed to get away from this crime without any fucking jail time. They just let him out. Like, let him continue to roam the earth after he fucking shot somebody. I feel like this is this happens a lot in some of these stories that like they it do something infuriates me that should be a huge red flag, but then they're just go. Our criminal justice society. system is so fucking broken. It's so it broken. <sighs> Sorry, you guys. This case just it brings a lot of emotions to me, and so I just need to take a moment every once in a while and just take a take fucking a breath. deep breath. Yeah. So. 
He served his first jail sentence in 1978 after he signed his then-girlfriend's sister, who was cognitively disabled, out of a mental institution on day leave and kept her prisoner in a locked storage room in his basement. Fuck. She was eventually found and returned to the hospital, at which point... This guy just gives me the fucking chills, dude. I can't. Like, it's killing me. This is just killing me. At which point she was examined and it was discovered that the poor woman was raped and sodomized while being held captive. Heidek was charged with kidnapping, rape, unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, and interfering with the custody of a committed person. This is where I start to get really fucking pissed off. He was found guilty in a court uh, uh, trial Mm -hmm. in November 1978. He was sentenced to three to seven years in jail. And how much of that did he actually serve? Mm. Yeah, uh, I could go off on a tangent here, but when it comes to white men committing a crime, especially if that crime is against women, especially if those are women of color, Mm -hmm. our American justice system does not seem to give a shit. No. So, as you probably suspected by now, this sorry excuse of a human being filed for an appeal, and his conviction was overturned, and he served only three years of his sentence, and it was served in a state-sanctioned mental health institution before he was released back into the public in April of 1983. And... No words. Yeah. So I have to be really honest here. I had a really, really hard time controlling my emotions while researching this case. Um, I had to walk away and gather myself on more than one occasion. Um, it There's nothing that will throw me into feelings of rage like domestic violence and violence against women, especially when a person shows clear signs of evolutions of criminal behavior and they continue to be released into the general public to victimize woman after woman. These are crimes that change a person forever. Yeah. And after you suffer through something like this, you are never the same. You are never, ever the same. The laws in this country need to be modernized to punish perpetrators of violent crimes more harshly so that they can't be allowed to hurt anyone ever again. Additionally, the laws need to be changed to protect and care for women and the victims of violent crimes from the re-traumatization of being forced to face their abusers in a court of law, from having to tell their story over and over again for the purposes of law enforcement and the courts, and from character assassination at the hands of the defense attorneys that have no issue slut-shaming and handling them in a hostile manner while on the stand. They seem to forget who the fucking victim is. I was about to say, um, the whole character, like, going after their character seems to be the big thing here is that it's not just that you're facing the person that did this to you but you're also going to be assassinated on the stand yeah like they're going to go after every little detail about you and try to destroy you other countries have victims of violent crime not testify in court but like off camera on a tape so they don't actually have to face their um their abuser you know yeah and then a lot of times like these people get off or they get off with 
laughable sentences. So... It is laughable. It's infuriating. It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I don't think I've ever really reacted emotionally to a case the way that I have reacted to this one. I, like, was on the verge of tears on multiple occasions. I was very angry um, on other occasions. And so if you're triggered in any way by this sort of thing, I highly recommend skipping the rest of this episode because... What you have heard so far is tame compared to what is to follow, and it will stay with you. Like, it will hang around for a little while. I promise you that. So, that being said, I will continue now. In 1986, after Betty, his wife, was finally able to escape him, Nick was arrested and he was charged with her assault and spousal rape and involuntary deviant sexual intercourse. And in case you haven't drawn the conclusion already, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse is sodomy. He was sodomizing her, shoving shit in her. Yeah. These charges were later dismissed because Betty failed to show for the preliminary hearing. So because she was too afraid to face him, which I don't blame her. Yeah. This motherfucker was let back into the general public. So now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this story. Go ahead. And you know what gets me so heated is that the fact that she didn't show, some people would fucking criticize her for it. Like, shame her for it. Like, that is the other thing. Until you're ever in that fucking position and you've been treated in that way and you have to go face your abuser... You cannot judge her. But you cannot judge yeah, her. But and people then, do. But people have like no fucking. They conscience. don't understand. They don't understand. They don't understand. They have no empathy, no sympathy. They don't get it. Honestly, I can I can think. Also, they're just fucking piece of shit trolls. So I can think of I can think of a few like just a couple creators on TikTok. I'm not gonna name names. That would have probably that have outright said that they've been abused sexually and in abusive relationships that would shame somebody like that what because they don't have the strength and you did that's just fucked up dude like you don't know you can't judge a person like i said there's there's people that are extremely hypocritical i mean she was probably still at a point where she was just thanking her lucky stars she got away from him. oh yeah and also she was having a baby she probably didn't want him to know that yeah all right, so here's here's what he's famous for. Are you ready? Yeah. In 1986, Gary apparently decided that he wanted a harem of sex slaves all to himself. He knew he had to take women who no one would notice were missing, who would be easy to keep captive and easily forced into submission. His victims of choice were black females, somewhere who sex some who were sex workers, some who he had known previously in one way or another, and some who were cognitively impaired. In order to accomplish this, on November 25th, he decided he was going to hire a sex worker and take them back to his house, located at 3520 North Marshall Street in North Philadelphia, for sex. The unlucky winner was was Josefina Rivera. 
Josefina was a 25-year-old mother of three who'd become addicted to drugs and has, had turned to sex work to fund her habit. After Gary and Josefina had finished having sex, Gary choked her into unconsciousness and chained her up in his basement. He then dug a four-foot deep pit in the basement floor and put her into it. And who knows how long she was chained while he dug that fucking thing. That would take forever yeah. for one person to do. He put her into the pit, and then he covered the pit with plywood and heavy weights in case she tried to escape or decided to quote-unquote misbehave. He referred to her from this point on as Nicole. So he stripped her of her identity. Wow. Also, in case anyone was wondering, no, Gary was not living alone at this time. He had a fucking roommate who was a longtime friend named David Steck, who apparently didn't notice any of this crazy shit going on under his nose or have any qualms about Gary's reported volatile personality and tendency to physically harm others, including a prior tenant whom he shot in the fucking face. There's no way. He had a roommate. I swear. I swear. I swear. I don't understand. And I don't know if this roommate like leaves at some point or Gary kicks him out at some point. But just fucking wait, girl. Just fucking either, wait. Either this person, he had to have either known or he was blind, deaf, and dumb. Like, no insult or to any of Or also cognitively those. impaired. Or, I or an accomplice. that. Or, yeah. So, on December 3rd, 1986, about a month later, well, no, November 25th to December 3rd, so a week later, um, Heidnick abducted 24-year-old Sandra Lindsay, who was cognitively disabled, and whom he had gotten pregnant previously, but she had an abortion, which angered him. So he abducted her. He fed the two women irregularly. He kept them half naked, raped them repeatedly, and tortured them in various ways. It should be a special kind of crime when the person is, like, disabled. Yeah. Oh, my God. Girl, I'm telling you, this shit had me, like, reeling when I was researching it. It's fucked up. On December 23rd, so 20 days later, he brought 19-year-old Lisa Thomas over to his house. He drugged her wine and then put her in the basement with the other women. A week later, on January 2nd, 1987, he abducted 23-year-old Deborah Dudley. She did not go quietly. She would try to defend herself against him but was beaten and put into the pit even more than the others. So I guess they were, like, let out of the pit sometimes and then, like, put into the pit for punishment. And so she was put into the pit more often because she was combative. She was a fighter. Yeah. After Deborah's abduction, Heidnick began to further humiliate the four women by forcing them to have sex with each other and making them eat dog food. Ugh. He didn't wait long before abducting his next victim, 18-year-old Jacqueline Askins, on January 18th, 1987. So January 18th. And then on February 7th, for one reason or another, Heidnick became angry with Sandra Lindsay and decided to punish her by hanging her 
by one of her wrists from a roof beam for two days. She was hanging by one wrist from a roof beam for two days. Oh my God. After she was let down, she developed a high fever and she died the next morning from a combination of the fever, dehydration, starvation, and excessive torture. Yeah. This is the part that is so fucked up. He then took her body upstairs, dismembered it with a power saw, put her head into a cooking pot and boiled it on the stove, cut out her flesh, put it in a food processor, and mixed it with dog food. He then forced his four remaining captives to eat the mixture of her and dog food. He apparently had some issue with the arms and legs, so he wrapped them in saran wrap and wrote dog food on them and saved them for later. And he also reportedly cooked her ribs in the oven and either made other made his other victims eat those as well, fed them to his dogs, or he ate them himself, depending on what source you believe. But I don't think he ever personally committed cannibalism. I think he just forced the others to cannibalize. Isn't that fucked up, dude? I told you, man. It's just like methany a little bit. I told yeah, you. Yeah, I, like, I was like sitting here going, this is getting giving me methany vibes. Yeah. Except I don't think methany was even this... Vile. Vile. I, I can't believe I'm comparing... Ugh. A couple of days later, neighbors complained to the police of a terrible smell coming from his house, prompting them to quote-unquote investigate. When they knocked on his door, Heidnick answered, Brother Bishop, and explained that he had just burned his food. That's what he fucking said. I'm sorry. A cop should know what a dead fucking body smells like. Is this why you were talking to me about this prior to us starting is the smell of dead bodies? I was asking you, yeah. Yeah, we were having a whole ass conversation about the smell of dead bodies before yeah. all this. So as you probably guessed, the cops believed him that he just burned his food. They took no further action and they left. I don't understand how cops couldn't they maybe they don't know the smell of cooked person. I don't know. <sighs> but anyway, that was the extent of their investigation. Quote unquote investigation. Who the fuck knows where his roommate was at this point? That's what that I mean that's that's what I'm saying here is like how do you not how do you not know? I don't know. It makes me sick. Like, literally physically ill. At some point, Gary began to bribe his captives into telling on one another. And Josefina Rivera told him that the others had planned to attack him and escape. As a result, he made them deaf by driving screwdrivers through their eardrums. you ever blown an eardrum yes it's fucking excruciating and it's not just then it's every time you cough every time you laugh every time you hiccup every time you yawn it's fucking excruciating so hide nick started to apply electrocution to all of his captives except rivera who started to aid him in torturing the others she also had other quote unquote privileges after apparently becoming his favorite 
including being occasionally allowed upstairs to watch a movie, or being allowed to be raped in a more comfortable environment. Again, where the fuck was his roommate? I don't know. But I I mean, I can't really say I feel like I can't really say I blame her. She probably did this out of trying self-preservation at this point. Mm-hmm. She's been in there the longest. She was yeah. the first captive. She was probably she probably fully well knew if she she bodied up and I hate that I don't want to I don't even know if that's a great term for it but like became the little pet then Stockholm syndrome yeah yeah um anyways so he later filled the pit he had dug in the basement with a little water on the bottom and he would chain the women up and throw them into the pit and then force Josefina aka Nicole to apply the electrical current from the house to the water pit electrocuting all of the women just enough to hurt them, but not, but not kill them. them. I l- like this guy. You guys, I can't. This guy's so fucking, like, scum of the fucking earth. Like, he's otherworldly. He is otherworldly. He is the fucking devil. On March 19th, 1987, he took Deborah Dudley down to the basement, threw her in the water-filled pit, and fatally electrocuted her due to her resistance. He then forced Josefina Rivera to assist in the disposal of her body. Hmm. To replace Deborah Dudley and his harem of sex slaves, on March 23rd, 1987, he kidnapped 24-year-old Agnes Adams. The next day, March 24th, 1987, Josefina Rivera had to shoot her shot. And she decided to ask Heidnick's permission to be allowed to visit her family. And for whatever dumbass reason on his part, perhaps stupidly thinking that she had actually come to love him and fall into Stockholm syndrome and that she would not run. And also because she promised to bring him back another sex slave. He let her go. He let her go. Just uh, walk right out the front door. You, I think she. Uh, I don't. I don't think she had Stockholm syndrome. I think she knew what she was doing. Oh, for sure. So I if like it had not had, if it had not been for this insane twist of fate, if Josephina had not pretended to get along with him and care for him for those months, I firmly believe that there would have been more victims, many more victims, possibly. Yeah. So obviously, Josefina Rivera, being the amazing female warrior goddess that she is, went straight home and told her boyfriend, Vincent Nelson, what was going on. And together, they called 911. And Heidnick was very quickly arrested, likely saving her life and the lives of the other women he was holding captive. They all probably would have died eventually. So she did some horrible ass fucking shit. But, but it she was did it for mission. the benefit of trying to save yeah. everybody. Yeah. Like I said, I I like her. Yeah. <sighs> in June 1988, when he first appeared in court, for his defense, th- get this, Heidnick actually tried to make the claim that the women he abducted had actually just been in the basement when he moved into the house. Like, they just <laughs> came with the fucking house. It was a perk. It's like... <laughs> Fully furnished, only 
fully with a, a harem of slaves. I, I don't fucking know. Like, what? Was this... A- what? <laughs> it was advertised This was in an the actual paper. defense <laughs> that he made. They came with the fucking house. It was advertised in the paper. It was a positive to buy, uh, to getting this place. So what kills me is this guy has a fucking IQ of 148. How did he think on any planet that that was going to fly? I mean, sometimes really smart people do really dumb do shit. really dumb shit. Well, it's because they think that they're smarter than the law and they can literally spin yeah. it. However... Really? It's crazy. <sighs> they well, common sense. when that obviously didn't work, he then tried to, as had worked for him in the past, use the insanity defense. Finally, someone with some fucking brain cells on the prosecution rebutted his argument, using the fact that he had earned half a million dollars at the stock market as evidence of his sanity and competency. His fate was locked in by the testimony of his Merrill Lynch financial advisor. Boop, boop, boop. Go FAs. Robert Kirkpatrick, who is used to prove who is used to prove his competence. Robert stated that Heidnick was, quote, an an astute investor who knew exactly what he was doing, unquote. So thanks to Kirkpatrick's testimony, Heidnick was deemed legally sane and fit to stand trial. Hell yeah. Yeah. During his trial, he claimed that the other victims murdered Sandra Lindsay because she was a lesbian. So they killed her. Hmm. He repeatedly denied ever mistreating them in any way. Oh, my God. Again, they just came with the house. They were just down there. When he got there, how could he not take advantage, right? (laughs) On July 1st, 1988, Gary Heidnick was convicted of two counts of first degree murder, five of kidnapping six of rape, four of aggravated assault, and one of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse. And finally, finally was given the proper sentence. Death. He was remanded to the State Correctional Institution at Pittsburgh. On December 31st, while awaiting his execution, he attempted to commit suicide by overdosing on Thorazine which is the antipsychotic he was being given to manage his schizophrenia. He failed, and he just fell into, like, a brief coma. (laughs) On April 15th, 1997, Heineck was scheduled to be executed by lethal injection at Rockview State Prison in Belafonte. But a last-minute appeal was filed, leading to a hearing to determine his mental competency. Like, haven't we fucking been here? Haven't we covered this already? But apparently they want you to be sane when they kill you for the crimes that you committed when you were deemed to be sane. (laughs) That makes... uh. Yeah. So on June 25th, 1999, thanks be to the old gods and to the new, the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court affirmed his death sentence. He stated that he wanted them to execute him. He wanted them to execute him. Because they would be executing an innocent man and it would put an end to the death penalty in America. (laughs) Fucking narcissist piece of shit. They didn't have problems executing innocent people before you and they sure as hell didn't after. They still don't now. They still don't, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, on July 6, 1999, after 11 fucking years on death row, sucking the tax dollars from the fucking earth that he's not entitled to breathe the air on. 
Gary Michael Heidnick was executed by lethal injection. He was 55 years old. I wish they would have fucking electrocuted him like he did those women. Just a little at a time until his heart finally gave out. Fucking piece of shit. So that's the end of Gary Heidnick. And as discussed at the end of the Ed Gein episode, Gary Heidnick was one of three major inspirations for the, J- the character of Jame Gum, a.k.a. Buffalo Bill, in the book and later major motion picture, The Silence of the Lambs. Ted Bundy's M.O. of feigning injuries to persuade unsuspecting good citizens to help him and then abducting them was the inspiration for Buffalo Bill doing the same. He feigned injury, asked his victims to help him get something into his van, and then hit them on the head and pushed them inside. Ed Gein's use of women's skin to make himself suits so that he could be a woman inspired James Gum's own endgame. We've all seen that. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. You know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. He's a master tailor. (laughs) That's such an iconic line. Tuck and run, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Gary Heidnick's use of a pit that he dug in his basement to hold his victims captive inspired the protagonist in Silence of the Lambs, who did the same thing with his victims while while forcing them to put the lotion on their skin. Or get sprayed by a hose if they disobey. It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. (laughs) While The Silence of the Lambs made for a great, terrifying book and movie, the reality of the fact that these men truly existed in America is far more unnerving and terrifying to me than any movie I've ever seen. Gary Heidnick fucked me up. Yeah. Fucked me up. That's just... Ugh. I feel like I need a shower now. Yeah, no shit. No shit. I need to go wash my mouth out with soap. My sources were this story were um, APN or APnews.com, um, freeiqtest.net for the scaling on the IQ test, uh, wikipedia.org, criminalminds.fandom.com has a fucking wiki page on like serial killers and their like information on gary heidnick was extensive like i used a lot of that information um and then i also as usual used murderpedia.org their gary heidnick page because Mm -hmm. also so much information such a good resource yeah so what do you think grossed out like i said i need a uh i feel like i need a shower yeah that's just it's not a story that's told very often and i think it's because it's so fucking brutal like i went through a lot of emotions last last like the last couple days while i was researching this we've had three really heavy episodes in a row minus our mini episode with the with children that's still but that's still still really heavy yeah um so next time courtney's gonna just tell us a ghost story i think we need some levity yeah, we're going to do like a haunted episode next time, mostly just because um, I'm currently working on a very a bear. big one. A bear. Uh, it's probably going to be multi-episodes. Yeah. So um, that's why we're going to do a, a ghost story. Um, and it's probably going to be a personal 
a personal story. Uh, I'm excited to hear it. I'm very excited to tell it. A little nervous because I feel like I could possibly get a lot of judgment, but it's it's cool. It's yeah. definitely an interesting one. Um, so the next step in our new format is to talk about current events in chats. And I don't think that we can get through this episode without saying that our hearts go out to the families and victims of Uvalde, Texas, shooting at yeah. Robb Elementary. Um, just absolutely the saddest thing that you could ever imagine happening. I don't know what would make an 18-year-old target an elementary school. What It was like... Wasn't it like second through fifth grade or something like that? Like it was just yeah. babies. Little, little kids. I don't know. I. It's been weighing heavy on my heart and I know yeah. it's been weighing heavy on yours. Yeah. It's been really hard. It's been, it's been heavy on the hearts of the country, I think. Um, this is the second time that this has happened in the last decade. Yeah. Where it was little kids that were the mm-hmm. victims. Yeah. And... Something needs to be done. Something needs to be done to rein in the gun violence in this country. Yeah, 100%. I I don't know the answers. I don't know what those things are. I think that stricter gun laws and stricter gun control and applications laws um, would be a good start. And a waiting period between the application of your license. Well, I, I was also talking to Brandon about this because he's... He's uh, more on the pro-gun side, but not completely, like... Your husband? Yeah, but not completely, like, the fanatics. He just believes that you should be able to carry something 100%. to protect yourself. 100%. Yeah, and... But um, you should you should have to pass an extensive background check prior. Yeah, well... And there should be a waiting period from the, the time that you go into the right. gun shop to buy the gun and actually receive the gun. Yeah. Because a lot of people buy it, like, with the intent to use it. And ARs... Assault rifles should be. Nobody needs a fucking assault rifle. Banned. And Unless... you know what? Okay. So since, because my husband knows a lot about guns, my family knows a lot about guns. I mean, we're in if Indiana. What do people want to sit here and pick apart? I'm gonna go on a soapbox here. If people want to sit and pick apart, um, people's usage of the term. AR and assault rifle. Yes, I can tell you right now, I'm fully aware that AR does not stand for assault rifle. It stands for Armalite. I um, didn't say that. I no, said no, assault I'm, rifle. I'm just saying. Oh, I thought people, you were correcting me. No, people are going to pick it apart and say that people who don't know this shouldn't be making gun laws. Well, you can fuck right off because I know this and I can tell you that they should be banned. 100%. And also, nobody needs so, a fucking bump stock. And, yeah. And if you want to pick that apart, instead of sitting there and talking about the fact that children just fucking died, you're a piece of fucking shit. Agreed. Sorry. That How was my soapbox because I can tell also, you like, a lot about guns and I can tell you right now that um, this... You, you all may be sitting there thinking to yourself, well, these people that don't know anything about this stuff should be shouldn't be able to make laws well i'm sorry i think that people that can't tell me the difference between um a a microbe and a fucking i don't know also let me just shouldn't be making covid laws fuck greg abbott 
fuck Donald Trump and fuck Ted Cruz, who then like the next day after the shooting went and spoke at a fucking NRA conference in support of freedom of guns in support or against harsher gun laws and gun control. I've had so Fuck much them. rage the last week that I can't even form like coherent yeah. thoughts anymore. I literally fuck any politician that is bought and sold by the fucking NRA. Yeah. And that puts campaign donations above their duty as an elected official to protect the people. You know what I saw? I'm so impassioned right now. You know what I saw yesterday and it made me really sick? Um, so for those of you that don't do not know this, uh, Matthew McConaughey is from Uvalde. Oh, I didn't know that. He made this beautiful Instagram post and it wasn't like... I follow him. Yeah, it wasn't like he outright said... He's just said, like, things need to change. Yeah. Um, this is not no longer a matter of, like, partisan politics. This is not a partisan issue. This is a, a protect the fucking people issue. Yeah. Protect our babies. Our children shouldn't be fucking afraid to go to school. No. They should. Active shooter drills should not be a fucking thing. They should not be a thing. No. And. But, they shouldn't have to do that. They shouldn't be a necessity. Here's the thing. Like, he didn't say anything about... He just said things need to change. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, you know what? I and think I did And then people attacked him saying... Is talking immediately about guns. When your first They were probably all NRA thing, trolls. Yeah. When your first instinct... And this is what I was saying about attacking people who call ARs assault rifles... Um, when your first instinct is to attack a person, now that like my brain is like calming down, when your first instinct is to attack a person about their their verbiage or yeah. um how they phrase something and you think that immediately they're talking about guns. You need to take a fucking step back. You need to take a step back and think about the fact that these were people's children's. They're like they, they were children. Also, they, it's not just the people who died that were victims. The children who were there that witnessed this, that were a part of this, they're all broken too. Yeah. So when that is your first thought in your mind is to sit there and protect your gun over children, you you really need to rethink. You need to rethink a lot. Yeah. And and I'm just gonna like. I, I hope I really don't like piss off our international audience and in saying saying this, but could when you guys are talking about your country, that's that's fine. It's great to compare what you guys are going through, but please do not sit there and go, "I'm so happy I live in blah 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 country," because that doesn't do anything doesn't for in America. Because there's a lot of us that are really scared. Yeah. Like we're scared they were traumatized because we're losing as Americans. Yeah, we're scared because we're losing our rights to choose what we do with our own body. We're we're scared because our kids are dying in their schools. We're we're scared. Like so to tell us um like I'm so glad I live in Canada. Oh, please don't do that. Like that's not helping us because we want to leave or we want something to drastically change. Like we're scared. Yeah. So it, it doesn't help our situation much better. Texas, elect Beta O'Rourke. Biden, stop fucking talking about it and do something. Yes, something needs to change. Yes, we know that. Now change it. Do something. Do something. This is 
this is also both sides. Like, it's not a partisan it's, issue. No, it's it seems to be that you can also like guns and like having guns and still support harsher gun laws and stricter gun control. It's not a one or the other thing. No. And also, I want to make mention of the fact that people are going to sit here and say it's also a mental health issue. Okay. So Sometimes. Let's, let's I break, mean, yeah, normal people don't go fucking shooting people. Let's break this down for a second, though. Mental health is health. It's health care. A lot of people can't access mental health um, to, to fix their mental health because they either don't have insurance or their insurance is not um, like paying for the therapist that they need to see yep. or it takes so long to get in. So Medicare for all. I've Medicare for all. Universal health care yeah. in general. So two people I know personally have gone through health crises. One of them had committed, su- like tried to commit suicide and it took them like eight months to get into a, a, a therapist that happened to me during covid yeah. i mean not to get super deep but yeah i had a moment um yeah. where i was at a point where everybody was on quarantine um the pharmacy was delivering medication my medication got lost in the mail and they were unable to unable to make it right for several weeks and so for several weeks i was off of my um medication and that in combination with everything that was going on in the world at that time um on top of my own personal health issues i just had a moment yeah you know and thank god i thought about my family i thought about what it would do to them i did the right thing i called a health line but when i was able to get a hold of my doctor the next day they referred me to um a mental health um doctor and it was six months out before i could get in for an appointment even in an emergency situation literally my only option was to like commit myself and i wasn't going to do that because it's for an indetermined amount of time and i have a job i can't yeah you know and the two people that I know, because, you know, somebody expensive. might say that that was a COVID problem. The two people I know that had this issue were prior to COVID. Yeah. So. I'm just saying, like. Yeah. Mental yeah. health issues abound during COVID. Like, everything yeah. was magnified because it was such an uncertain time. It was a scary time. Yeah. We were left alone with our thoughts. Yeah. You know? And nothing to do except basically drink and watch TV. Yeah. Basically. So, so, um, for those of you that immediately jump on the mental health bandwagon instead Sorry. of instead of going into um, thinking about gun control or at least like better laws, um, I challenge you to start thinking about what that means for healthcare in our country. That means a lot. That means like we're half we have to consider overhauling our system. So. And I think people need to realize that this is a multi-layer problem. This isn't just, I mean, guns, yes, for sure. There There's needs to be a lot. There's not just one solution. But There's this not is just a, yeah. one answer. No. It's it's several things that need to change. Yeah. And you also have to think that some countries that have had, that they have been like, oh, well, we banned guns in our country or we, we did this in our country. Well, a lot of them also have like really good 
social programs yeah. over there that we do not have. So it's a little hard to compare, but we can we can start looking at what other people have done. Yeah. Barack so, Obama got a lot of flack one time. Or maybe it was Michelle Obama. I think it was Michelle Obama. She got a lot of shit one time for saying that right now she is not proud to be American. <laughs> and I, I feel exactly the same way. I am not proud. I am not proud. I'm fucking scared. Yeah. I'm scared. So. This is not, it's not a, it's not the, the greatest country on earth anymore. It used to be. Yeah. It's not anymore. The American dream is pretty much dead. We live in fear every day. Yeah. Healthcare is unaffordable. Mm-hmm. Like if you get sick and die, you could be leaving your spouse bankrupt. Literally. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it happen. Yeah. So oh. I think, I think that's just what, yeah, we were heated there for a yeah. minute. If America wants to be the greatest country on, on earth again, they have a lot of, a lot of growing up to do. Yeah, we a do. A lot of evolution. A lot of realizing that the constitution was written in a specific time period and that, that that it needs to be taken into context. Yeah. So. Um, I saw um, Rosie O'Donnell is on TikTok. I found her. I was excited to find her. She's on TikTok? Yeah. Dude, she's fucking crazy old bat. But she, she Rosie, actually. Rosie, you bat. You old she bat. She actually said, I feel like our country was a failed experiment. It was like. I mean, it was a social experiment. It truly fucking was. I mean. They didn't call it that, but that's what it was. Wrong. A bunch of (laughs) religious Puritans trying to escape persecution, religious persecution, and the queen said, "Well, we've got all this land over there that's far away, so why don't you take your bullshit religions and go over there?" (laughs) Essentially, yeah. And if you die in progress, I mean, so be it. We'll send more. But let's let's be honest about what our what the American Revolution was. It was a bunch of people that didn't want to pay taxes to a king across the country or across the ocean so they threw a fit yeah they didn't want to be under the queen's control anymore but then now we have some of the highest rate of taxes on this fucking planet with the lowest number of human and health services available to the people in this country so what the fuck are we paying our taxes for to pay the salaries of our government officials and that's pretty much fucking it and to fund an 800 billion dollar a year military yeah is it billion or trillion? I thought it was billion. Oh, it's probably billion. 800 trillion seems excessive. I don't even think that's our, <laughs> that's not even our deficit. So I'm going to go with a no I think on I that. Read, I think I read the other day it was 800 billion. I'm sure you're right. Which is insane. So, yeah, we got heated there for a minute. I think her and I were both had a lot of, um, like Pent I said, I, I haven't really been able to think clearly to get out how I even have felt yeah. the last week. Because- if you don't like what we've got to say, like, you don't have to listen. It's that simple. Yeah. Like, don't. I mean, if you don't agree, fine. This is America. You can have your own opinion and you can disagree. But this is how we feel. And this is our fucking show. So that's what we're going to say. Yep. And we agree. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably going to cut that. <laughs> No, I think I'm just going to leave it Meh. as is. I think I think at this point the um people that have been following us this long have probably been clued in on the fact that we're probably very uh, liberal. Very liberal and we live in a conservative state. Yeah. 
So we have a lot of pent up anger. We're surrounded by conservatives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I literally like one half of my side is su- one half of my family is super conservative and the other half is super liberal. And so, like, I walk on eggshells with half of them and the other half, I'm just, like, in my element. <laughs> but do you want to hear something that's, like, so, I, so crazy to me? So, when I was growing up, um, my grandma, like, really nailed it in my head because she's super, or is, was, I don't know. She was super conservative growing up. Like, I'm talking, she took me into, like, the the election booth with the old school machines where you had to like pull a lever in order to like open the curtain and initiate your uh like votes so you like flipped switches and then or you could like flip a master switch that voted it all democrat or all um republican like this is when i was really little like she was she was educating me like at a super early age Mm -hmm. on how to do this and um, so she was, like, taking me in and showing me how to vote straight ticket Republican. And um, that's so fucked up. So the do you vote a straight ticket? What? Do you vote a straight ticket? No. I don't either. No. It, I can't believe people still do that, but okay. Yeah. but that's I don't vote for – I if I don't know about a candidate, I don't place a vote for them. Like, if I haven't had the time to research them and actually know what they're about, I will not place a vote in that category. I'll just leave it blank. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. No, I I don't. So she was teaching you at an early age to vote a straight Republican ticket? Yeah. That's how she was. That the Democrats were a whole other level. That's what she was teaching me. And uh, if y'all want to know how funny this is, she voted Trump the first time. She didn't vote him the second time. <laughs> I don't know. I know a lot of people who didn't. I don't know if I've ever seen her vote for a Democratic candidate. Ever. Ever. But she told me she voted for Biden. Hashtag anything like, but Trump. <laughs> I was go like. Go mama. Go grandma. <laughs> Granted. And now that she's 90 something years old. Oh, man. The shit that probably comes out of her mouth. She's learned new tricks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Go Grammy. Grandma. But All right. I just thought I would share that funny That's story. That's so funny. But no, I don't vote straight ticket. No, me either. But I am very liberal. Same girl, same. people have In case anybody was wondering. It out. I mean, I've just seen the, the bad side of the healthcare system, especially. Um, you know being somebody with significant health issues that pays out the fucking ass for health care even though i have insurance private insurance yeah um it is i'd be so rich if i didn't have medical bills i'd be like going all over the fucking world and traveling and like living life i it sucks so I feel for other people that are in the same position or that have no insurance because they don't have a job that provides them with insurance and they can't afford even with Obamacare private insurance. I remember I, I was making $27,000 a year and they wanted me to pay $350 a month for Obamacare. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. The funny. So this was a totally random thought I just thought of. I was like. You know, because I talk about, you know, I'm pretty liberal. There's a lot of times that I say things and then I think to myself, I go back 
and I like research whether or not it was even appropriate to say because I don't want to be like I don't want to be wrong to be well it's not just that I don't want to offend people like in saying um you can never make everyone happy Courtney you're not a taco I know but I try to think to my so like a couple a couple episodes ago I kept I said home girl and I started thinking to myself like, like is that racist no why is it racist but I say is it, it all racist? the time no, it's not. I but I did look it up. You're I my homegirl. Like, I was like, we're from the same town. Homegirl is, is homegirl considered racist? Like, is should it? I not be saying that? So like, I because I say it all the time. Like, one of the things I always say to my husband is, "Homegirl's crazy," or "Homeboy is crazy." Like, I say that all the time. And, I don't say it all the time, but I for sure say it. And then so I like I started researching this as I was listening to our podcast and editing. Is it, it. cultural appropriation? Um. That I wasn't really sure of. So, um. Why did I just think about Rachel Dolezal? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> cultural appropriation. But I, I think, <laughs> I, I think about this all the time, like, when I'm, I'm listening to my talk, like, myself back, and I'm like, I don't want to ever offend people, like, like, if I say something and I'm like, oh, God, was that racist? <laughs> Or was that offensive towards? So I I definitely try to um. Uh, uh, a lot of people would probably say that that's not something, like on the more conservative side would sit there and say, "Who the fuck cares?" Yeah, I mean, I said you can't make everyone happy. That's true. Like, there's always going to be someone who's got some bone to pick, and you know what? Cool. I think that's just, I think that might be just the nurse in me, that you just don't try to, like. It's the customer service rep in me. That you, like, you know, like, try not to offend anybody. Try not to say anything to, like, yeah. ruffle any feathers. I think that's, I think that's yeah. probably what that is. Um, but I get it. I get it. But on the other hand, I'm like, fuck it. This is how I feel. Like, even saying in this episode, I was, like, deaf, blind, and dumb. And I'm like, is that technically okay to say? It's a thing. But I found out recently you're not even supposed to say, like, gypped. No, that is... That's racist. Yeah. I was like... It's like gypsy. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I've said yeah. that so many times, now I feel horrible. Yeah. Or, um, a lot of people think reneging in, um, um, euchre, which is a Midwest card game, is racist, but it's actually reneg. It's not racist. It's not N-I-G. It's N-E-G. I found that out recently because I was concerned about it. So obviously I got on the Google and that's what Google told me. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm kind of curious, though, like people hit us up. What are some commonly said things that are actually racist or that might be interpreted as racist and aren't? I like to know these things. Yeah. If you've got a little bit of knowledge for us, share it. Yeah. That brings because us to our social media. Yeah. Our social media. Yes. Um, you can listen to us on so many different platforms now. Hold on. Let me look it up for you guys because it is so fucking exciting. Yeah, Oops, we're not Spotify. I think we're almost on everything except for Apple and we're still waiting on that. Uh, yeah, I'm stoked on this, you guys. So let me pull up our stats. Let me look at our distribution apps. So we're waiting for approval on Apple Podcasts. We submitted. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Podbean, that's our main um, 
That's uh, our platform. platform. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music slash Audible. So I think you can get us on both. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Player FM. We're on Samsung. We're on Podchaser. Did I say Spotify? Maybe. Yeah, we're but, on more. Yeah. So that's dope. Um, additionally, my baby sister gave us our new logo and it's so good (laughs) i love it so much we have been waiting for this logo because we knew exactly what like what it we had an i well i think we basically knew exactly what it was gonna look like before like we had posted like just literally something i came up with in 10 minutes so that we had something while we were waiting for my sister to get us our official logo which we finally got this week it is up on our social so go check it out boop boop be doop um you can email us murderpornpodcast at gmail.com um we are not on twitter we are not on facebook we are not on youtube <laughs> we have instagram yep it is murd m-u-r-d p like paul podcast that is our handle on yeah. ig and that's where you're going to find, um, like, any sort of pictures of missing children or um, case, like information, case information, like a lot of interaction going on yeah. there. Um, me, I'm Allison. This is Allison, in case you can't tell our voices apart, because I think we sound a lot alike. <laughs> um, I'm the primary on that, but we both have access. So if you interact with us there, we both see it. Yes. Courtney also has her own Instagram. It's Courtney, C-U-R-C-O-U-R. T-N-E-Y underscore A-N-N 0.1. My um, Instagram handle is Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N underscore Wonderland, W-0-N-D-E-R-L-A-N-D. Isn't your E a uh, three as well? I think on, I noticed that. That's on uh, TikTok, I think. Oh, okay. Maybe. Hold on. Let me look. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know I, my own Instagram. I thought handle. I noticed that the other day. I was like, oh, I think we have that written down wrong. Hold on. Let me look. Our phones interfere with our mics. Yeah, you're right. It's W0ND3RLAND. Well, fuck. <laughs> I knew her Instagram. <laughs> I don't know my own shit, guys, in case you were wondering. Um, Courtney also has a really great TikTok. Um, she's got a good following on TikTok. She talks a lot about missing persons cases. Missing children a lot. Yep. Yep. And her TikTok is Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y underscore A-N-N 1.0. Yes. So. Uh, you can subscribe or please, please take time to subscribe to our feed, to our show, Follow it, like it, share it with your like-minded crime, crime-aholic friends. Yes. Um, and then what's our next episode looking like, Courtney? You think we're still going to do something haunted? Yeah, oh, yeah. I think we're going to I think it'll be a haunted. good little break. There's been a lot of tough shit going on in the world, and we've told a couple of really rough mm-hmm. stories. So I think for a little levity. We need a haunted story which actually might not be that levity or that much of it's better levity. than like actual people dying right now in front of us so the way that i look at it is that people are scarier than the fucking paranormal so agreed let's yeah. let's go with the ghosts yeah. i'm gonna chill with the ghosts instead yeah 
Well, I think that's that cover oh do you have any um shows books movies podcasts anything uh i've been i've been watching um the staircase and i can't tell you what book i'm oh the staircase is good yeah i can't tell you the book that i've been listening to on audible because it will give away our future episode that is going to be a huge bear Uh oh yeah (laughs) i'm still working on the john walsh book tears of rage that's i have in paper copy so it's like what i read sometimes at night when I can't sleep. So we're getting there. Oh, podcasts. So in the in the news recently has been the um, Tara Grinstead case um, because it just ended and this fucking guy got away with murder, literally. But before I listened to the case following, I wanted to go back and re-listen to Up and Vanished season one where they, he, this is, he started detailing and researching um the Tara Grinstead case and it actually started shining a light back on the case and it like got people talking about it again and it heated it up again. Um, and then within six months of the podcast, they had actually made two arrests in the case. So I went back, I've started listening to that and it's still really good. So I highly recommend doing it. And then their most recent season is following the court case. So then I'll go back and and listen to that. But it's actually really good. He, like, has some really good interviews with law enforcement and attorneys um, that, like, help explain the charges in Georgia. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but every state has their different way of charging things and different, like, things that you can be charged for. So if you're you're an international listener, um, like, states, that's kind of how our states work. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting so it's really good highly recommend it um tv shows under the banner of heaven on hulu is so fucking good i'm like literally watching it show by show as it comes out but it is a true story about the lafferty brothers who are fundamentalist lds yeah it's very educational about the mormon religion if you don't know much about that um it's really well done it's really well done highly recommend it so good um, I think that's all I got. Yeah. Is that all you got? That I can think of. All right. Well, like I said, we went off on a tangent, but it some, is what it yeah. is. It's, I think, I think it's, I think it's fine. It's something huge that's like happening in our country right yeah. now. And, and it it's, needs to be addressed. It's not on, yeah. it's not, not on anyone's mind, I think. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that's all we got for today. So I guess we'll see you next time, everyone. Alrighty. Bye. Bye.